Welcome in, everybody. Welcome back to the Purple Fufu Podcast. It has been a minute, but man, we've missed you, fellas. My co-hosts, I've missed you as well. CFF host, my name is Theorist. I'm joined by my co my co-hosts and friends, uh, Slimeball at PFF Vibes and Bryce at PFF Rager Season. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? Doing well, man. Doing well with this weekend. Whoa, what a fantastic weekend that we all had. I don't know about you guys, but uh, yeah, this weekend felt like a fever dream Saturday when we all met up at Slime Balls for his little throwback he threw. Uh, and then the game. Oh, man. I don't know, man. It just completely felt like I was, it was an out of body experience for me. That's how I felt anyway. It was awesome. It was, I'm just glad everybody had a good time and like everybody showed up in a costume and nobody <laughs> stole any of my shit. And I, it really wasn't even that much cleanup to do. And, and Doug and Shane were nice enough to leave behind like a whole little package of mini sodas. So um yeah all in all just a very very positive weekend and then we got to go to the cardinals game too which was sick it, it, it really truly though even the cardinals game experience in itself was secondary to just getting to meet everybody in person i mean it was really just amazing and surreal and i hope it happens again because you guys are all fucking amazing people that i would hang out with even you know if we had met otherwise so um yeah really really fulfilling weekend and i'm still exhausted from it and still recovering <laughs> Wednesday evening. Yeah, we almost all slept through that guards game, but very glad yeah. we didn't. That was that was truly special. It was so great to meet all of you guys, just like Bryce and Slime have said here. Um, and I, I can't wait to uh to do it again. Yeah, speaking of like oversleeping, I swore I set an alarm um for like 8 30 so you know I could get up and get myself motivated to go. Cause you know, slime ball had was generous enough to let me stay at his place this weekend. And I was like, this is getting like really late. Why haven't, why hasn't my alarm gone off? It was like fucking 1035 and all my shits in slime balls room. And it's like, oh no, I think he locked his door. And so like, I just wiggled his doorknob a little bit. I was like, oh, we got to get going here. <laughs> I did not set an alarm. I was like, Bryce has got it. He'll fucking wake me up. <laughs> and I throw out of bed at like, what, 11, 11.05, something like that. I was like, well, yeah. I guess we're making coffee, smoking a ball, and going to this game. <laughs> and, and then, uh, you know, our our boy Cowbunga Kev showed up. First thing he wanted to do was rip a big mole. <laughs> oh, yeah, mole city, <laughs> Moleville. It's uh, yeah, oh, it's a fucking difficult place. Shout out to Kev for showing us the lovely land of Moleville. <laughs> <laughs> and we all got there by kickoff. Remarkably, yeah. look at us. <laughs> Remarkably, I know we 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 killed it. I think the other group all got there in time as well they were at yeah. my place the night yeah. before too so it was um impressive that we were what were we? we had to have been 14 for 14 or something yeah could work everyone <laughs> speaking of kickoff we want to get into that uh cards game review talk about the game itself oh yeah definitely uh what a like i felt ultimately that was the most complete game i've seen out of the vikings thus far 
I don't know how you guys all felt like and watching it like way up top. We had like the all 22 viewpoint or whatever. But throughout that game, I just felt like we were in control through the entire game. And I never once felt like we were in danger of losing the lead or blowing the game. And like I said, I don't know how you guys felt uh, felt about it, but I felt like that was our most complete game we've seen on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I, I would say outside of the week one game against the Packers, but like I don't really count that because it's week one. It's kind of hard to, you know, put that much stock into a game like that early in the season. But um, outside of that game, yeah, completely. I mean, we still had to have that little, you know, hitch in the middle. I think it was like the third quarter or whatever. <laughs> we had to come back again. Um, but they just keep the train rolling and it, it, it really does look more replicable every week, I think, which is good. So we'll see. I know we're still benefiting from a lot of like what, what analysts would consider luck, like turnover luck on special teams and um, things like that. But at a certain point when you're six and one and those things continue to happen, you know, I, I, I'm not going to split hairs about whether we're making those things happen or if they're just, happening and we're lucky um i'm not thinking about regression right now because we have a whatever three and a half game lead on the division and so unless we royally fuck things up we're we're sitting pretty and if we continue to build off that cardinals game um i have a lot fewer concerns than i did you know going into it absolutely um i believe it was luke braun that said this but this felt like the first real win lime like you said green bay was week one that how real can that feel you know this cards game was real. Uh, this was a real team. Um, I know that their record isn't the best, but they have a real offense. They have Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. They have a solid offensive line. They're threatening. They have pieces on that defense. This was a game that the Vikings could have absolutely lost. Um, and you're right. They definitely benefited from that turnover, that turnover on special teams. Um, the Cardinals made plenty of mistakes. But uh, those two interceptions, my mind goes to, neither of them were great throws by Kyler but they were absolutely forced by strong pressure from the defense. Speaking of the defense, they are ascending. They ensured that this game, while it felt like it was in doubt at plenty of times, it never was really in doubt. The defense always had it on lock and they shut it down. They, they closed it at the very end. Um, right. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I mean, fucking what? Zadarius Smith had three sacks through that game and our D line just was like actually looking like a top five D line that we've all been waiting for this year. I'm hoping that somebody can step up for Dalvin because it doesn't sound like he's going to be back at least for this game, which is completely fine because I want our team to be um, super healthy going into Buffalo next week. Uh, We'll preview that obviously next week or whatever, but uh, yeah, our D line is actually like looking like the D line we've all been waiting for this year. And I am absolutely here for it. It's like you said, uh, theorists that the D line forcing <laughs> these QBs to make mistakes are going to help us lead to those, uh, turnovers and whether that's luck or that's just place calling, whatever. Um, I think our defense is in a good spot to get rolling and, um, get us going for that playoff appearance because the NFC is so wide open. We would have to royally fuck up to not make the playoffs this year. Yeah. And that, that D line ascending the way they have, um, they're really starting to heat up and that's like integral to the Donatel scheme, right? Because he drops a lot of 
he allocates a lot of resources to pass coverage in the sense that there is a lot of zone and they do, they are willing to kind of give up those layups. And that can be a problem if you're not getting pressure and the longer routes have time to develop and the quarterback can sit back there forever, which, you know, maybe that's something that quarterbacks were able to do earlier in the year. I think back to Goff, you know, he's whatever they scored 28 points in the first three quarters. And so with the defense, defensive line heating up, that takes away some of those opportunities to hit those deep throws. No wonder that Donatello's scheme was so good when he had Bradley Chubb and Von Miller <laughs> playing right <laughs> elite, elite D line play. Um, and so now that we're starting to get that out of the guys we expected it from um, Hunter, I am absolutely out on Hunter shit talk on Twitter. Yep. Um, I am over it. If you think he's not showing up, then you're not watching the game. Um, he's been fucking fabulous in run defense. He's been eating I'm gonna, really I'm gonna good inter- interrupt okay. you. Uh, DJ Wadham has looked really good this year too. He's been awesome. I, I like, yeah, he's not like a great edge rusher, but him stopping the run has been great this year. And I remember one of us, I think we got started talking about this Saturday night. I don't remember, but I think somebody brought it up on Luke. Like somebody said, Luke Braun's podcast that they noticed DJ Wanham's not standing in like a three point set anymore. And that's helping him. Or maybe it was Daniel either way. What one of the two I know, but like DJ Wanham, like I noticed he didn't, Zadarius Smith wouldn't have had one of his sacks without Wanham this week, which is huge that he is. We're finally seeing these bench pieces like be an integral part to our defense. And like I said, if this defense gets hot, oh boy, watch out for the Vikings in the playoffs, like 100%. And even like Patrick Jones has showed up pretty well. Like he he's playing good football too. The D lot, the edge room in particular is super deep right now. I think um, at least with, you know, rotational pieces that you can feel comfortable you know, slotting in, um, which is super important. I've said this in the past. I'll continue to say it. You got to be like eight deep on both trenches to win the Super Bowl. Every team that's won the Super Bowl has been that. The Patriots were like that for a billion years. The Rams were like that last year. The fucking, you know, the Chiefs were really good on the line, on both sides of the line. The Buccaneers, every, it's super important. Um, So that's where I like, I like the Vikings trajectory right now. I do have a question mark at like, see tackle nose tackle i kind of wonder who comes in i know james lynch has been playing pretty well um so i'd like to you know kind of see what happens this week hopefully tomlinson sits out and we can see him get some extended minutes um but yeah if we can get you know just one or two of those d tackles um to play you know consistently good football alongside harrison phillips or alvin tomlinson whichever one's out then i i am i'm ecstatic with where we're at yeah, I think uh, one of the D tackles we could keep an eye out for. I believe he's a D tackle, um, Ross Blacklock that we traded for. Yeah, he's like, I mean, this is part of the reason we brought him in was I'm sure because like he was what top forty pick mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Like that's not wasted talent like at all by any means. I remember and going I, back to the draft. I liked Blacklock of the Vikings. I was seeing that mocked a lot, and I really liked it. So when I heard we picked him up, I was like, sweet. And he doesn't have to be great. I mean, he just has to be, you know, he just yeah, has I have to, to not notice it. him. And he's so right. far, that's what he's been. And while we're while we're on the topic of it, I don't know what they're preaching in the coaching room, but I'm love it. We are not seeing like hardly any penalties on the Vikings this year. I'm knocking on wood here, but like when was the last time we've played like this clean of football all year? I don't I can't tell you the last time. And I'm guessing that's Kevin O'Connell's way, like if we want to play football, we have to play smart football. Like I can totally feel like him just 
guys, we got to play clean football. Do what you got to do. Just don't get penalized. Like, and that's what I've noticed a lot this year. All the good teams aren't being penalized. Weren't the Rams really good about avoiding penalties? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And like the, the longer the season goes on, the more I wonder how much influence Kevin really had over there because like they're a dumpster fire right now for a team that's as stacked as they are with McVay leading the ship. And it's just funny to me that after a certain offensive coordinator leaves, all of a sudden Matt Stafford has trouble pushing the ball down the field a little bit. And uh, also we also took like a majority of their st- coaching staff too when o'connell came yeah. over we took like a lot of their like position staff and then west phillips came over i know west that was phillips, the one. secret sauce Dude, <laughs> yeah. yeah and i know we joked about this all like everybody joked about it on twitter but like what if kevin o'connell really was the reason the rams were so good the way they've been playing this year compared to last year it's like it's come on it's- it's just tough because Kevin is always going to have the stain of the 2020 uh, uh, Washington Commanders on his on his resume, which was like a three and thirteen season. I think they were like a bottom five offense or something. That's true, but it's it's not ridiculous to think that you know um, he just wasn't ready to be a coordinator yet. He still knew his shit, and then you know has developed into that sense. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's all just like speculative. It's theorist shit, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. It's fun. It's fun to think about at least. I will say yeah. nobody can out coach Dan Snyder. Doesn't matter who <laughs> you put in there. They are going to struggle. And yep, as yeah. we're seeing, the commanders are now going up for sale. So yeah, I think that. we're vindicated there. There's that. <laughs> that's, a, that that's a good point too. Um so yeah, I mean, I Kevin's so fucking awesome. But do you guys watch like any of those post game speeches when he hands out I the do. footballs yeah. and shit? I love that. That he's so good every time. He's electric. Um, I think I just saw it like a couple hours ago. But we all know Ed had a Ed Ingram had probably one of his worst games on on Sunday that I can remember. But I mean, he was going up fucking against like JJ Watt. But I saw a thing that I never would have ever thought just because of our like previous coaching staff there is a video where o'connell is just like ed just play your game like don't even worry about what's going on just play your game show them what you're about and i was like dude this is like the coaching staff that we need and not somebody that's just like oh well you did your job you did your job terrible so i'm not gonna talk to you like i don't know man just i again i'm drinking the the purple kool-aid like this team is giving me feel good vibes. This is the highest vibe year of any Vikings team I can imagine right, that I can think of. Even like the, I mean, I was really, really young for the 2009, but um, you know, even that team, I don't know if they had quite the same like vibe that this team does. So I'm not saying necessarily that we're like huge Super Bowl favorites or right. contenders or whatever, but I mean, it's strictly based on on vibes. It's been fucking sweet. We didn't even get a chance to talk about because we have been off for two weeks. We didn't get a chance to talk about what Cam Dancer said about Zimmer just like straight up not talking to injured players. What the oh, fuck? Oh yeah, happened? that was fucking wild. That, when that's I a heard fireable that. offense. Like if that gets up to the wheels, they he should have been. If that was happening years ago, he should have been gone. Like that's insane. This is the first yeah. time I've heard about that. That's insane. Yeah, I'll see if I can dig the tweet up, but it was like I I can't remember who it was. It was Thomason or somebody like somebody? Yeah, there was several players who basically said if you were injured, like Zim wouldn't talk to you. He it was just like completely he would completely ignore them, 
And so now it truly is like, did Zim have favorite players and others actually legitimately in the doghouse? And that's why we didn't see Cam Dantzler until Bashad Breeling just royally screwed everything up last year. I don't know, yeah. man. But on a, on a real note, like rest in peace to Adam Zimmer, man. That sucks to, to the Zimmer family. I know. Yeah, that hits. That hits really hard. That's, Way too that's tough. Yeah. yeah. The 38 football and everything else aside, like nobody deserves to go through that, especially a guy like Mike that's already been through a lot. So, yeah, rest rest in peace to him. I, I hope Mike and, and the rest of the family are all right. Yeah. Oh, boy. I did not mean to. Get no. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's a good, it's a good, it's relevant. I think it's a good thing to talk about. My jaw, I didn't even have a reaction. I was dead silent. My jaw dropped when Kirk Cousins reached oh. eight miles an hour on a touchdown run on third down on Sunday. I remember your face. So I think the way we were sitting, uh, if I, if I remember correctly, I think it was uh, Brody was sitting. So like, once seats one through six, it went Brody, Slimeball, uh, myself, Theorist, Kev, and Nicole or crying. I'm sorry, she, everybody knows her name, but like I just remember all of us looking at each other when Kirk ran that touchdown, and all of us were just like, What just happened? Did, <laughs> did we just see Kirk have an 18 yard touchdown? <laughs> and, and he yeah. was cooking like he was he beat like a couple of guys to the edge it was like he a, beat like their entire defense run. going yeah. to the end zone in the dope highlight <laughs> oh it's so hot <laughs> so, dude yeah i don't hit like that wasn't the only time he ran this game like he extended a couple of drives with his feet i don't know man kirk is looking like yeah his numbers aren't insanely high as they usually are but he's doing what we've been asking him to do his entire tenor in minnesota just kirk? play your game help us win the games he's such like, a weird quarterback because it's almost like he's never quite complete. Like he gets better at things at a real, like he's 30, he's in his thirties. So it's weird that like a new, an old dog is learning new tricks kind of, but he's been really good in terms of pocket presence and like being willing to run the football and go get first downs that way this year. But then like we have an accuracy problem all of a sudden. And he was like the most accurate, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league for a number of years. Um, so he's just so weird in the sense that like he, he never really able is able to balance the scales. It doesn't seem like. Like I would prefer to have him show some creativity. I like a chaotic Kirk more than I like, you know, a game manager Kirk anyway. So I'm, you know, totally for it. And, and to that point, you're right. Like it, it seems like he has like two or three memorable, like what the fuck throws every single game where it's like, where did that come from? It's just like complete inaccuracy. But if you look at his stats, he went 24 for 36 for 232 yards, two touchdowns. That's not great. Obviously, that's 12 incompletions, but it didn't seem like like there was the one like throw that he sailed on Jefferson. But in my mind, that's about it. The rest of the game, he looked pretty good. And I mean, 232 and two, zero interceptions. That's not yeah. bad. 34 points. Yeah. Like he definitely had a hand in that, you know? Oh, yeah, 100%. And like, I'm going to go back to Slime's like accuracy thing. I feel like there's been a lot of miscommunication about the routes that have been called too, because I know some of us talked about it Sunday that there was like one route where it looked like, I think it was feeling just like stopped in the middle of his route and then went, but Kirk was like through it in time for Thielen to keep going. So it could just be a little bit of both that like, they're still working 
on the new routes because Grant, again, working on a new complete offensive scheme. So I, and again, I mean, it's relatively early. It's only what week nine. So there's, I guess it's like midway seat point through the season, but I feel like those accuracy issues will start, start to tighten up here. Once we uh, get into the heart of the schedule here. Yeah. And like Kirk does go on streaks. Like pretty much every year he'll have one streak of whatever, four or five games where he is just fucking lights out. And we haven't seen that yet. So I know it's coming. Hopefully before that Bills game would be really great timing for that um, <laughs> to show up. So, so start it this week and then just yeah. like ball out in Buffalo. Kirk member, baby. We're here. dude. <laughs> Props, though, on the other hand, to, it was funny seeing the reaction to Kirk's game on Sunday after having this is going to sound douchey and pretentious, but like being at the game it really felt like he played well like I, I i didn't remember seeing anything where i was like that was fucking awful i don't remember leaving the game and being like we won in spite of kirk like it felt like he played well to me and so to see the reaction on twitter of people being like yeah kirk wasn't very good today i was like really like i gotta go back and watch because it, it really kind of felt like he was just kind of what we needed him to be um and he made some really fucking nice throws this week like the one i remember specifically is to me one of the best throws i think he's made in his career he like the first, I don't know if the first and second or just the first progression wasn't open, but he like looked, nobody was there. Pocket broke down. He escaped, rolled out to his left and then came all the way back across the field and hit Thielen in a tight window in between like three defenders for a first down. It was like third and seven or eight. And that was one of the best throws I've seen him make ever, I think. And there was, stuff. there was also, unless like I, my mind is just going all over the place. There was that one throw to JJ where there were the receiver was right on top of him and he just like placed yeah. it right where only JJ could get it. Like, I don't, catch too. Yeah. I, like I said, I think we're going to see that Kirk that we, we ha- are, are accustomed to over the last couple of seasons, just accuracy 100% or like up the roof. Like, I think we're going to see that Kirk we are accustomed to seeing here in the next couple of games. Like I said, hopefully during that bills game, because we know, God, we know that how that Bills game is going to go as Vikings yeah. fans. I would even be fine like if we fuck the Bills game. Like if he wants mm-hmm. to wait till playoff time to get on that heater, fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. One thing, uh, like another thing about Kirk, uh, this is the best offensive line he's had in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. um, I know it's not been perfect. Ed Ingram has really struggled at points, and I want to. I have a couple of words to say about that as well. But he's really been navigating the pocket really well, which is new. Um, he's kept pretty cool from what I've seen, except for that Eagles game, which nobody kept their cool. Um, and with the addition of TJ Hawkinson, which we will be talking about in the next episode, stay tuned for that. Uh Um, this will be the best supporting cast he's ever had in Minnesota. And, um, I think just like continuing to work with Kevin O'Connell, continuing to work with that calming voice that he was hired to be. Um, I feel like we can continue to see Kirk like steadily ascend with this Vikings team that is steadily ascending. Um, yeah, Tom- he, he, and he really has had an uncanny canny ability really throughout his career to get better at things. Like he, he is a very like, um, I don't know, he, it seems like he learns or at least is able, is willing to like try stuff, um, which I think is one new because now I think he has more freedom to do that with Kevin O'Connell. Um, but he has always been that way, I think. And, and I think that's like a really good quality to have, even if you're in your thirties, he's still able to get better at things that he was previously known to, to have a weakness at. Like, 
right. I am, am excited as long as he doesn't just like hit a wall, hit a <laughs> wall or whatever. Right. Um, I don't, I don't want to get too much into the trade because we're going to get into that with the next episode, but think about like, and every Viking fan wanted Irv Smith to pan out. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Conklin last year balled out for us as tight end one. And I am excited to see what Hawkinson is going to do because to me, Hawkinson is like the same build as Conklin, but speedy and more like reliable and catching. Him, him and Jordan Reed, his their time in Washington made Jordan Reed look like a great tight end. Again, don't want to get too much into the trade, but I think this, like you said, Slime, this is going to be the best offensive team he's had in a while surrounded by him. So for sure. And and I actually kind of on that point, um, talking about supporting cast, I like to I'd like to transition to some Ed Ingram thoughts as well, because I, I think that people are a little bit too I can't believe I'm even saying this about Ed Ingram, but um I think people have been too hard on him actually to start. Oops. Sorry about that. Um, I think people have done <laughs> um, to start his career, actually, because, I mean, he's a he's a second round rookie. Um, his tape, if you watched him at LSU, was very raw to begin with. We should have been expecting the growing pains. I understand he hasn't, you know, played played great football. I think he's been way better than any of the other fucking right guards that we've chatted mm-hmm. out there in the last couple of years. I mean, at the very least, he shows like some ability to be a football player, which is not what we've had in the last. Couple right. Years, so. Right. I just get, I want to give him a little bit of time at least to figure well, out the technique. That's like everybody was the same way with Ezra Cleveland, his rookie year, because granted everybody was like, why are we drafting a tackle to be a guard? Whatever stupid move. Sure. Ezra Cleveland, his second year balled out and he's balling out even more this year. It's hard to be an O lineman in the NFL. You, you can't base it off of two, three games. Cause you, Ed Ingram, like I said, this was probably his worst game I've seen of him this year. And he's had some bad plays, but he usually picks it up. So I'm not yeah. I'm not too concerned. LSU always makes great linemen. Um, I'm not too concerned. Yeah. And like it, it, sometimes it's even three or four years like you have to give it. Like I, I'll eat the bullet. I'm being so far wrong about Bradbury. He's been really good this year. And that's the general you know, trajectory for centers that are athletic. They take time. Um, and we're just spoiled because we've been sandwiched between Brian O'Neill, who came in and was great right away, <laughs> and Derisa, who came in and was great right away. But that's just not, I mean, it's a lottery, especially on the O-line. you got to fill five positions with good players. It's just an unrealistic expectation. So um, I like I like where we're at, it's including including at Agrove. Yeah, all of my ball knowledge comes from Luke Braun's Locked On Vikings <laughs> podcast, so I'm going to quote him again here. But he mentioned that teams have figured out that they can pick on Ed Ingram, but that nothing that he's doing is like all that concerning. It's really just rookie stuff. He's not building up bad habits. He's still just learning how to play the game at the NFL level. Yeah. Um, if you if you recall, uh, Ed Ingram started out really promising. He looked really good. That was without any tape on him. After two or three weeks, his play started to decline. But if you go back and watch those games, it's because teams were scheming their best players to just get one-on-ones with Ed Ingram mm-hmm. all day. And I mean, shit, nobody's going to like play great unless you're like Quentin Nelson. Be patient with this guy. We were patient with Ezra Cleveland. He followed a pretty similar trajectory to Ed Ingram. I feel like like there's a great foundation here. And if we just continue, to, if the team continues to support him, 
um, and be patient with them, then it's really going to pay off. Cause there's, I, I hate saying this about uh, the guy's background, but like all, all that aside, there's something special here. There's a very You're strong right. foundation mm-hmm. here. That's and I, I completely agree. That's why in my mind I'm separating Ed Ingram, the football player, with Ed Ingram, the personal like off-field stuff. Yeah, we, um, we've said it so many times. Everyone said it so many times. <laughs> I keep getting hung up on it. I think I just need need to you know move on mentally from that. As yeah. as that is to say, but yeah, it's just one of those things. Like it's sometimes being a football fan sucks because it makes you wrestle with that. Um, but realistically, like, and the kid was 15 and, um, yeah. I, am not excusing it by any means. I think that he did it probably, um, but at the same time, there's nothing, there's nothing, yeah, I hope. I mean, and if not, regardless, there's nothing I can do to talk to Kwesi and, and, <laughs> have him and be like, Hey, get him out. Right. You know, so I just have to accept it and, yeah. and, and I, hope that he plays well. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I know this is going to be like a big like comparison, but I think if our O-line is built right, we could see like the days of Bryant McKinney and all of those like that O-line style come into Minnesota. And if we draft a QB, according to Bleacher Report, we're going to draft Anthony Richardson out of Florida, which I would not be opposed to having him sit behind Burke for one year. And then we just give him the reins. But if we get, if I'm, I'm a firm believer, you got to start with your trenches to have a good football team. Let's build this O-line. Let's keep Kirk as long as we need to, until we find that guy. But as long as we have a good O-line, I think this offense can be unstoppable. 100%. Absolutely. You just got to find an O-line, which I think we got, and then money to pay Jefferson. We'll see yes. about that. <laughs> and, and we also are going to have to pay Hawkinson too, but we can worry about that in the offseason. I have some cap thoughts uh, that I'm going to go over during the uh, second episode here. Sneak, uh, just a preview. We're going to be fine, fellas. Everyone listening, we will be okay. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, cap's a myth. I didn't the even cap know is that. a myth. It really will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his he's got a like six hundred thousand dollar cap this year, which isn't much, but I know he's like guaranteed nine mil because the Lions picked up his fifth year. But uh I think we're gonna be fine. Questy obviously traded for him to be more than a one year rental. So Yeah, there's <laughs> no there's no way that we only traded for him for this year. I mean, that wouldn't make any sense. He dude, he's okay. I'm gonna save TJ. Yeah, 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 yeah. saving it, saving it. Should Um, we uh, move move on to shithead of the week then? I had one one thought, one more thought about the Cardinals game that I wanted to close out real quick. Everyone that we saw at the game, my fellow co-hosts, and everyone that we didn't get to meet that's listening, spectacular job at that Vikings game. The crowd had a big, big role in that. Yeah, I don't want to. I hate to be the guy like, oh, the fans like matter. There, they mattered. There was a point where the Cardinals tried to call a timeout that resulted in Kyler getting like hit very, very hard. They did call a timeout, but nobody heard it. They had to review it on camera because the the stadium was so loud. There were points that they had to call timeouts because they were going to miss the play clock. Um, The noise did play a part and it's, we're really building out what Kevin O'Connell said about us bank stadium being an impossible place to win at. So great job, everybody. <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to bounce off of that. I'm going to go, got to, got to have some Philly stock here. Um, that home environment noise is 100% true um, because the, 
Astros were rattled in Philly last night. Uh, not so much tonight, but ah, whatever. I was going to ask. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But they apparently last night there were like uh, earthquake like notifications going on at Citizens Bank Park because the decibel level was so loud. But the environment was just, I will agree, the environment was crazy on Sunday. Like, even us, rocking. even us sitting next to each other, we were having to, like, we were, yeah, we were having to, like, yell, like, just to even here. Like, I know there was a couple couple times Slimeball was trying to tell me something. I was like, what? What you say? <laughs> it was rocking so hard, Alex had to wear earbuds, bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will. That stadium are great, too. They did a good job putting that together. Yeah, for sure. I love a good architectural design. Yeah. <laughs> so, shit head of the week. week. Who wants to start? I'll start. Um, my shit head of the week is Brian Gutenkunst. Um, <laughs> decided to sit on his hands once again. We had a little bit uh, going on at our house here. A couple of my roommates are Packer fans. Um, and one of them said after that Romeo Dobbs, after Romeo Dobbs made that sweet-ass touchdown catch against the Bills, he was like, oh, fuck me. Now Gutenkunst is going to look at the roster and think, hmm, I think we're good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that is exactly why he did. The only mistake that um, Gutenkunst made uh, that I was surprised by, because I'm not surprised he decided to not trade for a receiver, was to not call up Jawan Winfrey in time, because I think he's the missing formula over in Green Bay. Um, <laughs> but it really is hilarious to me that they did, they decided to not trade their second and a mid-round pick for Judy, even though they offered that for Claypool. <laughs> but they decided with Judy, oh, no, actually, no, we're good. Like, we don't... <laughs> Our offer to Pittsburgh was unserious anyway. Um, you guys could hold on to him. So just a whole lot of, uh, you know, missed loops. And 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 I love it. As a Viking fan, I fucking love it. Because now Rodgers is going to have to force that bitch to Lazard all year. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you, Goody. I, I will go next. So my shithead of the week, he has me blocked on Twitter because he is soft. Uh, my shithead of the week goes to Mr. Rick Sosa for saying, and I, again, I can't see the tweets. I can only summarize what I see based on replies. But if, is it true he he said something about trading away Daniel Hunter and somebody else for like Mike Gusecki or something? That's right. For, he said, for like anybody, he was like putting Daniel Hunter in a third round pick and then just being and then listed it out like six different names. And I was like, well, half of these guys are not even half as good or half. And, as and so the like, reason yeah. why he is my shithead of the week is because he is one of those people that doesn't realize if we get rid of Daniel Hunter, the signing of Zadarius Smith means absolutely nothing. Because you either have with our D line specifically our outside linebackers, you have to you have to be like, all right, which one am I double teaming? Which one like are we going to put the most focus in? But he says he's a sports journalist. A sports journalist would fucking know that you can't trade one of your top O linebackers. That is the reason we brought in the other O like O linebacker. Like I'm so <laughs> glad he has me blocked on Twitter because I just would have absolutely lit into him about how stupid he is for that trade. But like he wanted Mike Gusecki out of all fucking tight ends. You wanted to trade for white boy grit. I can't gritty Mike Gusecki. Come on now, Rick. Come maybe, on. Maybe, maybe Rick was like, his gritty's so bad. Like, he's got to come here and learn. We got to teach him. <laughs> but he, he it, the best part about that whole saga was that he tried to walk it back. He was like, 
No, but I was kidding about wanting to trade Daniil. I just had to do a follower check and make sure I didn't have any trolls following me. Oh I got God. you. Got you. <laughs> yeah, Everyone's great. like, you're a fucking idiot, dude. It was a great walk back. So great, in fact, that he deleted the tweet and a lot of tweets that he said after it. So great job. <laughs> yep, totally a, yep, totally a bit. Huge, total joke. Uh, uh, an example of satire that we just don't understand, apparently. Yeah. One thing about Daniil Hunter that I, I don't know if we mentioned in the cards game, um, advanced analytics hater, theorist here, uh, advanced <laughs> analytics show that he has had the most difficult assignment of or most difficult assignments consistently of any like defensive edge rusher in the NFL all season. And he's still like performing above expectations for that. Yep. Um, he has quietly been one of the most impactful players on this defense. Yeah. Uh, so absolutely. Come on guys. <laughs> I think that was the I quoted quote tweeted that that graph earlier today. I was like, all right, yeah. enough with the Daniel Hunter shit talk. Cause and that's exactly what I mean. Like, watch the fucking games. If you watch the games, you'll see Daniel Hunter make a stop on third down on a run play. You'll see Daniel Hunter record a TFL. You'll see him chase a quarterback out of the pocket it right into Zadarius Smith's hands. So yeah, I it's all fucking Fugues and Rick Sosa can fuck off. Yeah, the tweet no. is where I saw that graph. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably where. Uh, no, I think people are like, well, we need to trade him because he's injury prone. Bro, he had a, two freak injuries in back-to-back years. That does not make you injury prone. And I'm sorry, he could easily win comeback player of the year if he keeps playing on this. And while we're at it, fucking Zadarius Smith might win us defensive player of the year. Give me 10 games of Daniil over some shitty second round pick. Like I, right. I, like he's fucking really good, man. I, people, I don't care. people expect us to find a fucking Daniel Hunter or a Micah Parsons, because let's, let's face it. Micah Parsons is really good. I don't care what team you root for. Micah Parsons is a great defensive hybrid player. Like Daniel Hunter, those players don't just fucking appear. Oh. Like, I'm sorry. You can't trade Daniel Hunter who we built. He's one of our home hometown players that we've built here and yes with all the fucking contract issues he's had under the new regime i bet he's entirely happy with how things are going now yeah so and you just you don't trade digs and get jefferson every time i'm sorry that's yeah. not how it works like that was a freak thing almost never it pretty much never i mean it might go down as one of the most even trades in nfl history. oh what <laughs> i'm holding itself to that stage. I, I say this almost every game it's easily the most even trade in nfl history that i can think of yeah, because they're they're both. I mean, they're top three receivers, both of them. They're they're both their franchises' wide receiver ones for years to come. They're both good at different things. Like, yeah. So Rick, unless you're comfortable starting DJ Wanham or Patrick Jones for 17 games a year, and you know, come back <laughs> talk to me, theorist, who you got for your shithead of the week? So my shithead of the week. Uh, he has been shithead of the week before. He's been my shithead of the week before. I Uh-oh. think both of you know where I'm going I, with this. I think I know exactly where Mr. You're going. Peter Bukowski, come <laughs> on down. How are we doing, fella? Okay, so I don't know if you all saw this, but he tweeted about the Hawkinson trade when it came out. Oh, I don't I want to talk too much about the trade itself, but he did. And he said, that's a lot to pay for Kyle Rudolph. Here, here's the tweet. TJ Hawkinson, not quite OJ Howard in terms of being overrated by draft priors prior to it, but, but his PFF grade amongst qualified tight ends, 26th, 13th, 10th, 13th through eight games. That's a lot to give up for young Kyle Rudolph. 
but young Kyle Rudolph was good. That was like, my point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> young, I would take Kyle Rudolph for fucking 15 years again. He was great. Every time that Kirk needed to like find a safety blanket, there he was. He, 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 just, he just couldn't run. He just couldn't run. That was his only downfall. But like, you know who can? Hawkinson. Hawkinson. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's exactly oh, what Pete. I replied to him with. I replied to both of the relative athletic scores. And I said, turns out young Kyle Rudolph is magnitudes better than the actual young Kyle Rudolph. Nice one. And if you check their scores, R- R- Hawkinson is better at everything than Kyle Rudolph, like significantly better at everything, except like being tall. And he's like six foot four and a half compared to Kyle Rudolph's like six, seven or whatever. What Like who cares? You know? <laughs> yeah. That's so marginal. And like, yeah, it's, I'm also like we still have the same pick volume that we had before. It's not like we completely axed those picks. We were able to trade back. We still have a couple of fourth round picks now out of it. Like if you told me on draft day that we're trading out of the second and third into those fourth round picks, plus we get TJ Hawkinson, I would have said write it up before Detroit takes it back. Like it's awesome. And and that's again, I don't want to get too much into the trade, but like that's the thing. All these Lion fans are like, oh, you guys got fleeced, bro. We got. We got two more picks. Like, we basically just swapped picks for a top five tight end. Like, uh, realistically. Like, realistically, yes. I'm saying TJ Hawkinson is top five tight end. Like, Darren Waller can't stay healthy. That's the only reason. Only reason why I say Hawkinson's top five. But anyways. Yeah. So, we have we have a diehard Lions fan in our um, fantasy in our fantasy league. Like he's one of my best friends in the world, diehard Lions fan. Um, and we had this big discussion uh, way back in the day when Irvin and, and Hawk were both drafted about who was better. I was on the Hawk end, I'll say. Um, turns out I was probably right about that. But him and I were arguing for Hawk and then we had a couple of guys that were arguing there saying they thought Irv was better and better, you know, uh, value for the pick, right? Um, and so my buddy puts into our group chat, he says, you're going to have to, you're going to have to either take that opinion back or wrestle with the fact that you're wrong. And, you know, our guys chimed in, they said, Oh, you know, shut the fuck up, dude. And he, his response was so funny. He goes, don't tell me to shut the fuck up. I'm sobbing in the break room right now. (laughs) (laughs) I feel so bad for Lions fans, man. What a fucking nihilistic existence that's got to be. So I'm not going to lie. I was really hoping we would also trade for Brandon Cooks yesterday. Like, I know it would have been, like, it was, like, highly unrealistic we would make another big splash trade. I was getting greedy, but, too. But I was, I was like, come on, Quessy's got to, like, do something. Like, come on, this can't be it. Like, I'm not not complaining whatsoever about, about his move. But with all how, how different he is compared to Rick with, like, the – the way he's like keeping and trading away picks. I'm like, this is exactly what our team needed. We don't care about picks. We, we want players. We like, we obviously do care about those picks, but we want players now. Fuck them picks. So, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely an interesting trade deadline all around, like the entire league. Talk yeah, about yeah. it more in our next episode. Yeah, yeah. I had a couple comments on that. Uh, the theory about, you know, picks becoming less and less valuable but we're saving that for the next episode i wanted to close out the shithead of the week with his follow-up tweet i just thought it was kind of funny there are like four t this is from peter bukowski there are like four tight ends who matter 
you're not, I'm not giving up premium picks and offering to pay nine and a half million for like the eighth or 10th best tight end in the league, which is kind of at like, what kind of take is that? But the best part about this is his top four tight ends are listed as George Kittle. Okay. Mark Andrews. Sure. Travis Kelsey, of course, then maybe Dallas Goddard and Kyle Pitts. Kyle oh my Pitts? God. Whoa. What are you Kyle- talking about? Hello, what? <laughs> I will say on Kyle Pitts' defense, me and Keb on Sunday, we were both celebrating that he finally got like 19 points or something in fantasy. Like it was about damn time. And the- I think that was the hardest I cheered the whole game was when Kyle Pitts Probably. actually fucking wasn't useless for a week. <laughs> Although, and I will say, I got extremely pissed when Madison vultured my Cook touchdown in like the third quarter or whatever it was. I was so pissed. That's some good. That was rough. Well, we have our fourth co-host in the house tonight. We got Boof at Base Federal. How are you doing? Are you ready to go? I am ready to go. How am I? <laughs> entirely separate question. I am feeling so unwell, but we both have this. Love you, buddy. And I'm sorry to hear that, man. Uh, thanks. Sorry. I'm happy that you're here. We're all happy that you're here. You joined just in time for Shithead of the Week. Uh, if you got yours ready to go, we'd love to hear it. It's uh, This is a really tough one for me personally because I'm still really salty about this. But mine is going to be me because I missed out. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, don't man. do that to me. I can't cheer that one on. I got a haircut and everything. Boof, uh, you got to come and uh, theorist and, and Kev and I have talked a lot about like meeting up for more of the games. So you should absolutely pop by Brody too. I think all of us are like pretty local. So yep. we'll, we'll make sure that you don't like completely miss out on your, on your experience at least to meet us. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I'm planning on coming up for the Colts game in December. So I have a theory, so I have to test this theory out. Okay. Hear me out. So I'm, I'm uh, three. I'm uh, yeah, three and one going to Vikings games. So in 2019 or was it 2017? Yeah, whatever year it was that we played Minnesota or the Eagles in Minnesota after they won the Super Bowl. I'm I was one to know at that game. First game I ever went to. Next game I went to, or no, excuse me, I'm two and one. Um, the next game I went to was the Browns game last year. 0-1 against AFC teams, 1-0 against NFC teams. Went to the Cardinals game this year, 2-0 against NFC teams. So now I have to go and see if I'm right, if my theory is right. So I apologize in advance if we lose to the Colts. Um, uh-huh. But I just have to test my theory out. And that's when my one of my buddies is going. So I might have to buy tickets with you because I am also 3-1. Vikings games we lost to the Rams last year but we beat the Packers when I was there we beat the Bears this year and we beat the Cardinals so we got some good juju on Vikings Twitter I actually really think that Mark and Ziggy Wolf owe us some season tickets I agree get them in let's go let's go (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna do a lot more advertisements before we do yeah (laughs) this episode Uh, is brought to you by the Wolf Brothers (laughs) uh boof were so were you able to watch the game at all Sunday I don't know I caught like part of the back half of it, but a lot of that was spent. Like I got home like around the second half, and then I was asleep for a lot of it. But I caught some of it. Gotcha. And then I'll highlights afterwards. So, based off what did you, what you saw, what were your thoughts on the game? I thought that it was an 
<laughs> interesting game you know um this is a tough one because this is not my most taken in game of the year by any means but uh offense put up you know more than 30 that's fantastic defense gave up 26 d hop was going crazy but you know what we really I, we uh we won that's what matters is we won <laughs> <laughs> Did you see uh, who? What Big Kirko did? Yeah, did you- yeah, yeah. I saw the scramble. That was the one play that I saw before I fell asleep. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's the only play you needed to see, baby. I saw yeah. everything tweeting about it, and then I like was like, "Yo, that's crazy. That's the coolest thing I've seen from him in a long time." And then I was like, "All right, this is an elite time to catch up on some sleep that I've missed." Yeah, dude. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. Again, I just can't, like, say how much our offense is finally clicking. And even though Kirk had, like Theorist said, only, like, 232 for two touchdowns, that's what you do to win games now. And, uh, yeah, our offense, oh, boy, getting uh, getting me ready for the rest of the season. Good stuff. Th- yeah. You want to take us out? You could take us out if you wanted because you weren't here. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Purple Fufu. We would like to thank all of our viewers and subscribers and reviewers and whatnot for tuning in. We enjoy bringing this content to you and are looking forward to another great week. Thank you to Slimeball, PFF host, and PFF regular season. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for those of you that were at my house on Saturday night. Thanks for not being shitheads. So nice to meet all of you. Thank you for listening. Let's go, Vikes.